All right, let's return back to the Psalm 18 we're going to be looking at tonight. I want to draw our attention to primarily verses 2 and 3. We covered extensively verse 1 last week, and we'll look at verses 2 and 3 this evening. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. For every child of God, those are precious mys. David wrote as a man who knew, he knew God. He didn't just have an acquaintance with God, he knew God. We learned last week, not only did he know God, he loved God. And we were challenged last week to consider our own love for God. Do we love God as we should? The reality is, is the more that we love God, this will be a recurring theme, the more that we love God, the more that we'll trust God. Trust is an easy word to say. Trust is an easy word to sing. Trust is an easy principle to proclaim. But living in full trust of God is another thing. Remember, this psalm, as we began to study, we've looked at not only the inscription that tells us when this particular psalm was penned by David, but we also pointed out to you that there's a nearly a parallel scripture passage in 2 Samuel 22 in which many of the same words are used. And 2 Samuel 22 is in the middle or close to the end, rather, of David's life. Remember, this psalm is about David looking back. He's looking back with remembrance. He's looking back and he's reflecting about how the power of God had been on him and how the power of God had gone before him. How God had worked on his behalf time and time again. And he speaks about the result of having God go before you. It's expressed in a psalm. Most all of the psalms were sung. It's one of the reasons why we're singing hymns that we call out of a psalter. They are often paraphrases, but they are singing of the psalms. The psalms were meant to be sung. This is a song that David was singing. This psalm expresses not just his feelings, but it expresses the goodness of God. The psalm of David is being sung with a grateful heart, a heart that's overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with the remembrance upon God's repeated marvelous mercies. I gave this psalm a title just for my own reflection and my own meditation last week, and you can choose to take it or not, but it's the way I'm viewing this study through Psalm 18. The gracious remembrance of God's mercies. The gracious remembrance of God's mercies. All of God's mercies are gracious. Every extension of mercy by God is by His grace. The psalm begins and ends with a song of praise. It's a psalm of gratitude. It is a psalm that we do hear sorrowful things, but we hear a triumphant end. 
The psalm begins with a praise of who God is. That's that sequence of my's. That David says he is my rock, my deliverer, my buckler. He is my God. David, remember, is moving towards the end of his life and he's looking back over his past experiences. David describes what he's gone through. He's describing his suffering. He's describing his distresses. We're going to read over the coming weeks that David cries out and he gives a glorious response when he said, I cried out and don't take this lightly, God heard me. The very fact that God hears us is an amazing truth. He hears us when we cry. He hears us when we're in distress. He hears us when we're in despair. He hears us. He hears his people. When David cried out for help, God answered immediately. He delivered David, and ultimately David was the king that God had appointed him to be. David's life was filled with times when he had to trust God. We know David is a type of Christ, and we know that he pictures Christ in many different ways. And we see that, again, Christ is throughout this psalm. We can see where these, these instances even apply to Jesus himself and what he endured and what he went through. David had been delivered by God. He's promised he will defeat his enemies. Same way with our Lord. He was delivered from the grave. He will defeat every enemy. Every enemy will become our Lord's footstool. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now again, if we remember that the second and the 49th verse of this psalm, the second verse we just read, are both quoted in the New Testament and they're quoted as words that were being used by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. There is one greater than David in this psalm. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're going to see Him. You're going to know that I can see Christ in the pages. I can see Christ in these verses. And that is my ultimate source of trust. That's my ultimate source of deliverance. Is not in what strength we have, but it's in what Jesus Christ has already done. You see, David trusted in God. Do you trust God? I'm not saying are you partially convinced that he can be trusted. I'm asking you, do you trust God? You see, David trusted God. Was David a perfect man? Absolutely not. A study of David's life will show you the book of 2 Samuel in many ways is a horrific book about David's failures. David's failures in sin. David's sin with Bathsheba. David's sin with having Bathsheba's husband murdered. David's sin, it seems they, they seem to come in, 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 in waves. And yet somehow, God still called David a man after his own heart. David trusted in God and he triumphed in him as his deliverer. David confidently said, I know God is going to deliver me. And next week we'll look at this more intentionally. David, because he trusted God, he brought his needs to God. I don't know all of your needs tonight. I don't know what your most pressing need is. But I will tell you this, you can trust God with it. You say, you have no idea what my need is. I don't have to know what it is. 
You can trust God with your need. You can cry out to God even where you're seated right now and say, God, simply help me. Help me trust you more. Help me understand that you are worthy to be praised and you are worthy to be trusted. You have never once gone back on his his word. He's never gone back on anything he's promised us. So what does it mean that David trusted? Well, these first two verses, and just verse one will just be a very quick review. David trusted in God as his deliverer. David needed to be delivered. Now, the number of names that David uses to mention the Lord in doing so, he's indicating not just titles of God, but very personal titles of what the Lord means to him. The first title that David gave the Lord was my strength. It even came before my rock. Now again, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I've never claimed to be. will never be. But the word strength and the word rock come from a very similar Hebrew word. So David really in verse 1, he says, I will love thee, Lord, my rock. This is what God means to him. God's not just some nebulous idea. He's not some mythological character. He is his rock. He trusts God. With these titles of my deliverer, my rock, my buckler, my strength, David is substantiating his declaration of his love for the Lord. When he said, I will love thee, and then he runs off on these series of my rock, my strength, my buckler, these are all the things that are as a result of his love for God. As I said, the more you love God, the more you're going to trust him. If we're having trouble trusting God tonight, we have to go back and ask ourselves the question that we posed last week. Do I love God the way I should? It is in this way David has come to know God. Every one of us tonight, our pursuit ought to be to know God. To know Christ to know the power of His resurrection, to know what it is to absolutely live fully trusting lives. The more we love Him, the more we trust Him. Now, these are not the only names that God has. If we were to do just a study on the names of God, if you ever want to have an interesting study and a very encouraging study, just study the various names of God throughout Scripture. David's not mentioned them all. But David is mentioning the ones that he has experienced. The Lord has so many other names, yet the reason that David specifically mentions these names is because these are the names that fit into the context of the psalm, that fit into the context of his life. I have difficulty when I come to verse 2 reading that because every single one of those mys that David says God has been that to me personally. So when I read that text, I'm not reading that as, oh, this is great that David has a fortress and that David has a rock and that David has a shield. I'm reading it personally that he is my rock and he is my shield, not just David's. What a, what a letdown that would be to say, boy, I would like to have that. I would like to be able to be like David and be able to declare these names because I've experienced God in that way. 
God has been all those things to me personally in my life and more. And that's in spite of me not loving Him probably the way I should. I don't give God as much time as I should. I don't give God all that He deserves. I don't give God enough praise. I don't give God enough glory. There are times I take more time for myself than I do for God, yet these names are such precious thoughts because this is the very real God that we can trust in. As David names these names, it's very evident from the repeated use of this word, my. He reflects God in every name by which he names him. We see the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.19 speaking of God as my God. And I thought what was even more amazing in John 20 verse 17, we see the Lord Jesus Christ speaking of his about His heavenly Father, my God and my Father. You realize the same, Jesus, the same God, the Father that Jesus was addressing is the same God you and I are addressing? And when Jesus says, my God and my Father, we're addressing the same God. This is a real testimony of a man who trusts he trusted God as his deliverer. This first name that God mentions, remember in verse 1, he speaks of, he doesn't even call him my beloved, but my strength. What this shows us and teaches us is that David's love for the Lord is based upon who he is, first and foremost. Brethren, why do we love God? Is not even first and foremost by what he does for us, but based upon who he is. My love for God should not be based on what He does for me, but who He is. That's why David's first words are, I will love Thee, O Lord, my strength. He's not saying God is a source of strength or God is one way of strength. He is saying God is strength. Those following names are consistent with what verse 1 teaches us. He's testifying it's that you and I are reading to others about who the Lord is. The name My Strength connects directly to David's declaration of love. David had many adversaries. When the promise was given to him through Nathan that the sword would never depart from his house, what a frightening verse that is. But how true it was. David's own son Absalom pursued him. Saul pursued after him. His enemies wanted him gone. And yet, in the presence of every enemy and every adversary, David is declaring, God has been my strength. David overcame all of his enemies because God had been and will be his strength. David owed his very life and his, his very existence to what God had done for him. Not because of David's military might. David was a mighty warrior. But even all the way back when he was standing up against that giant, that, that uh, David and Goliath story had nothing to do with David's military might. It had to do with his God. And his God is who delivered him. 
David said, he's my strength. Part of our problem with trusting is we often think that what God needs is for us to provide some of our strength and then he'll fill in what we don't. Friends, that is not biblical and that will lead you to be in despair. There is nothing in this world that's coming your way that you are strong enough to handle without God. I don't, it doesn't matter what you think it is, you cannot handle it without God's strength. You say, well, I've been saved 30 years. I don't care if you've been saved 70 years. You are not strong enough in yourself to face what this world throws at you. But God is. I don't even trust myself. Do you trust yourself? Are you that confident in yourself that you trust yourself against the enemies? I don't trust me. But I trust God. I trust that God is my strength. Verse 2, based upon what verse 1, not disconnecting it, David says, the Lord is my rock. David, by saying this, he is saying the Lord is his unshakable foundation. The Hebrew word for rock here, it's a similar word that we see at the end of some verses. It's like the word selah, it's S-E-L-A. And it's a word that describes very high rocks. Rocks that are in very high places. This rock, again, there are pictures of Christ throughout the languages being used. And this type of rock is a type of the exalted Christ. This is the rock that David is standing upon. The rock that David stands upon and the, and the rock that David owes is that rock even of the exalted Christ. Now notice what he says. He is my rock. And then we'll skip down in about the middle of that verse. In whom I will trust. Trust is your faith being exercised. If we do not exercise our faith, you will never truly know the preciousness of God. God must be the object, the sole object of our faith and the sole object of our trust. Or faith is just something we just presume that God is going to. We're supposed to exercise our faith. Exercise our trust. Believe and live as if we believe God. My strength, again, this word that was found in verse 1 is really my rock. It's the sense of strength. It's immovable. God is our sure, unchanging, eternal confidence and our support. Now, it's interesting that the word rock appears twice. Now, again, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the first use of the word rock in verse 1 is a word that suggests God is a rock to conceal. The rock that's being used in verse 2 is a rock that is known for its firmness and immovability. So not only does God conceal us and protect us, but he is that immovable foundation. 
The second phrase he uses in verse 2, he calls him my fortress. A fortress is known as a, a building or a, a, a structure that is so fortified, is so protected, that an enemy will not even approach it, is what the meaning of the word is. That's what God had become to David. It is that belief that the enemy, and not a thing and not a person, can do anything to me that God does not ordain and allow. David said, God, you are my fortress. I'm not going to worry about the enemy. I'm not going to be anxious about those who want. You are my fortress. David, as it was expressed by one, David believed he was in safekeeping in the arms of God. He is safe and secure with him from all enemies from all persecutions. At the same time, he says, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. He uses the word my deliverer. He is, not, he is so well guarded in that fortress, and therefore he is free from his persecutors. That is to be delivered from the trouble. To be delivered from the trial. And then in the middle of these phrases, these beautiful titles, he says, my God. The one in whom I have found all my trust. Why do we trust God? He's almighty, of course. God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's immutable. Those are great attributes of God. Matter of fact, they're very important for your doctrine. But you know what staggers me? He's all those things and He knows me. He knows me. He knows you. Everything about you. He knew everything about David. He knew about all of David's sin. And yet He still said He is my God. If God knows me and God is stronger than all of my enemies and all the dangers that threatens me, if He's always with me, then what do I truly have to fear? If I believe that. Do I trust that God is who He says He is? Because that's the key. Do I really believe God is who He says He is? Then David again calls him, uses that phrase again, my strength. My strength again, once more. This rock, this picture, this rock that cannot be moved. You remember the words of Job in the 13th chapter, verse 15. Job going through what not a single person here would wish on another human being in this world. I know people, and I have talked to people, and you can call this strange, call it whatever you want, they are scared to death of the book of Job. They're scared of it because they're like, I, it's almost kind of this weird obsession that if I read it, this might happen to me. I can't explain it, but I've heard it many times. 
Because it's the thing we fear. Yet in that entire account of Job's life, all that happened to Job was only because God gave permission. So when Job says in Job 13, verse 15, though he slay me, I want you to stop and think about the, ter- the word, the vocabulary that Job is using there. Though he slay me. All, it, it's the idea of cutting down to bring to nothing. Job was standing with what appeared to be nothing. Even his own wife had said, curse God and die. I don't know if there's anything worse a husband could possibly hear. Though he slay me, what's the next part? Hopefully you know the verse. Yet will I trust in him. But that's not where the verse ends. We quote verses a lot and we don't go on. Though he slay me, I will trust in him. That's great. But notice what Job added to that. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. I will live in faith. I will live in trust. I will live as if this God is really the God that I love. David is saying he fully trusts in God and he's not just taking refuge in him or he is taking refuge in him, but we see that David is actually active in this. My strength in whom I trust, my buckler, See, David didn't just take refuge when trouble came. David was continually taking refuge. I said at the beginning, you might have something on your you might have something in your life right now that you're dealing with. And my question to you is, are you taking refuge in God? We are all tempted to try to find refuge, safety, shelter, and protection in something or someone else before God. Sometimes, even among professing believers, truly born-again, regenerate people, the last person that they go to to seek for refuge is God. No human being can be a rock to someone else, truly. Now, we, we hear that phrase, right? We hear husbands say, my wife is my rock. The wife says, my husband's my rock. I understand what they mean but they're not a rock like God. As your pastor, I love you folks, but I can't be your rock. But I am glad to point you to he who can be your rock. Because he's the only one that can do it successfully. I am not immovable. I'm not immutable. I change. He changes not. David not only saw what God did in the past, but he saw what God continues to do. How does God continue to show you how you can continually trust Him? Every single day, God shows you you can trust Him. David often, when he was on the run from Absalom, on the run from Saul, he found himself dwelling in rocks. He found himself in the mountains. He found himself in caves. 
And yet he calls God his place of concealment, his rock, his place of security. I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to say it. Even in the midst of our greatest storms, the storm is worse than what we actually know. But God is actually our protection and we are safely in the cleft of His, His arms and in His hands. See, we don't even know what God is doing for us on a daily basis. What He has sheltered you from, what He's kept you from. Yet we're safe in the rock. My buckler, my shield. That's the word buckler is another, it's a word for shield. David referred to God as his shield all the way back in Psalm 3.3. We sang a Psalter hymn recently called Lifter Up Mine Head. And that's what he says in Psalm 3.3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. It means protection from the arrows that the enemy fires. Paul, when he's writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 6.16, he talks about take on what? The shield of faith that you might be able to shield, be shielded from the fiery darts of the, of the wicked one. What is the intent of an arrow? The intent of an arrow is to penetrate the body. It is intended to kill the body. But let me ask you the question, what arrow can actually pass through the Lord? None. He's a shield. Who could actually hit God with an arrow? Who has ever done any harm to God? Who has ever lessened God in any way, shape, or form? Who's ever made God retreat? Who's ever made God fearful? No one. Who will do any of those things? No one. God doesn't get fearful, but we do. There are times we have been scared to our wit's end, have we not? Been so fearful, you don't know what the next day is going to hold. You don't know what the next phone call is going to be. You don't know what... Fearful to where you don't know where else to go. David says in all of these things, here's my shield. My God. My shield is also my rock. My deliverer. See, God's not just one of those things. He's all of those things. God Himself is untouchable by even the worst enemy. To attack God is to bring doom upon yourself. And then look at this expression, the horn of my salvation. This is a reference to God's power. The horn is a picture of strength. There's some disagreement about what the horn meant, and I didn't want to get so carried off on the commentators on this that I took the position that this horn is a picture of strength and it's used to defend. The horn of my salvation is a guarantee that God will save His own to the uttermost. 
The concept to David here is that God is the horn. He is my defense. He is my salvation. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Again, what enemy can defend itself against God? No one. Then David says, he's my high tower. He used this phrase, tower, in Psalm 9.9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Now listen to this. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Again, don't read that as someone else saying it. Is that your personal testimony of who God is? Has God been a refuge for you in times of trouble? When you've put your trust in Him, has He ever forsaken you? If you're one of His who've been saved, are you ever going to be forsaken by Him? No. He is our high tower. He is our place of refuge. A similar expression is given in Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our strength and refuge. A very, I love this one, a very present help in trouble. It'd be one thing if we could look back and say, you remember when God was a help when we were in trouble? He's not just a help in the past. He's a help in the present. Verse 2 goes on to say, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy places of the tabernacles of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right and that, that right early. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who, who's, what desolations he hath made in the earth. Verse 10 of that same chapter. Be still and know. Be still. That's something we have forgotten how to do. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. David knew that his safety was guaranteed by the Lord. Does it mean that we're never going to have trials and troubles and ultimately death? No. We know unless the Lord tarries His coming, then we understand that we're all going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death, which is why we have one of the many great psalms that remind us that even in death, God is with us. Psalm 23. But David had an unshakable trust in God. And finally, let's just look at, just kind of introduce verse 3. 
David triumphed in God as his deliverer. First of all, he says that the Lord, he said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. David has called upon this person. He's called upon this God whom he has now described extensively and descriptively as his strength. After all of David's experiences with God, he cannot help but say this. He's worthy of my praise. If God doesn't do another single thing for you, He's more than worthy of your praise. He's worthy. David's heart is full of praise. His heart is full of praise for him who has made himself known to him. Folks, do you know how amazing it is that God has made himself known to you and that he knows you? This God has made himself known to you that you might know him. Think about how much effort and time we spend in getting to know another person. We spend as much time as we can and we we ask questions and we go and we even ask other people and we try to find out who they are and yet we have an entire book that God has made himself known unto us. And yet sadly there are many that don't even know the promises of this book. This is the mind of God. This is the words of God. This is is the source of where your trust is going to be increased, where your love for the Lord is going to. It's not going to be in an audible voice. This is the way God speaks to us. He speaks through His Word. David knows that the Lord is worthy to be praised and he calls upon Him and he testifies others to praise Him as well. We'll deal with this phrase more next week when we look at verse number 6. Again, he says, I, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and He heard my voice out of His temple. What does it mean when God hears our cry? David is acknowledging he knew that God had heard his cry because he had defended David. He stood up for David. He delivered him from his enemies. In verses 7 through 18, which we'll kind of go through in an overview when we get to it, he speaks of the many ways in which God acted, what God did to deliver him. But what becomes more and more clear is that David continues to show how worthy the Lord is of his praise. Folks, if you've ever been in a time of distress and you've ever experienced a deliverance of the Lord... There's no greater source of praise than that. But even before that, we don't just praise God because of what He's done for us. We praise God for who He is. David knew God. David loved God. David trusted God. I want to finish by reading just a lengthy quote. I'm not familiar with this particular man in depth, so, but the quote is very is spot on, and it it was an encouragement to me. So I want to end this tonight. I hope this will be an encouragement to you. He says, "God hath, as it were, 
made himself over to believers. David does not say, God will give me or bestow salvation upon me, but he said, he is the horn of my salvation. It is God himself who is the salvation and the portion of his people. They would not care much for salvation if God were not their salvation. It more pleases the saints that they enjoy God than that they enjoy salvation. False and carnal spirits will express a great deal of desire after salvation, for they like salvation, they like salvation, heaven and glory well enough, but they never express any longing desire after God and Jesus Christ. They love salvation, but they don't care for the Savior. Now that which faith pitches most upon is God himself. He shall be my salvation. Let me have him and that salvation, that is salvation enough. He is my life. He is my comfort. He is my riches. He is my honor. He is my all in all. Thus, David's heart acted immediately upon God. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. It pleased David more. It pleased David more that God was his strength than that God gave him strength. That God was his deliverer more than that he was delivered. That God was his fortress, his buckler, his horn of salvation, his high tower, than that he gave him the effect of all these things. It pleased David and it pleases all the saints more that God is their salvation, whether temporal or eternal, than that he saves them. The saints look more at God than at all that is God's. It's a lot to chew on with that. But I hope, even above that quote, I hope what you have been able to see and hear is that we can trust Him in all things, in all moments, and at all times. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. How, Lord, that as we consider the writing and the words of David, that every child of God who is present here tonight, Lord, can make those words their own, that you are a God who has been our rock and our strength and our shield. Lord, we are prone to not trust you as we should. If we are being perfectly honest with you tonight, Lord, and you know our heart already, we have many times, many moments, when we do not trust you as we should. Father, I pray that, Lord, through the power of the Spirit, that our hearts would be convicted and convinced that you are a God who is worthy to be praised and certainly worthy to be trusted. The greatest evidence of your goodness and the greatest evidence of who you are is reflected in the sending of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for sinners such as we. 
Sinners who don't deserve anything but to be cast into a place of everlasting fire, yet in your mercy and in your grace, you've called us out, out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Father, I cannot possibly know all the needs that are represented here tonight, Lord, but I pray that each and every one would leave here tonight trusting in you. May we, along with the words of David, may we vow, say, I will trust you, Lord. Father, we need the help of the Spirit to do this, Lord. We cannot live this life in our own strength, nor should we try. But may we see and maybe been reminded again that God is our strength. We thank you, Father, and we ask all these things in the name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through his blood that was shed, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take the Psalter, and I want to turn over to page 34. No, that's not the right page. What's, what number do you have? 54. I'm sorry. Page 54. Page 54. The song is entitled, Lord, I Gladly Trust in You. This is based upon 